0: Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast, and this is the show where we like to take a streaming service and, and show you some hidden gems on that service. It's so much fun, and uh, I'm always delighted to be joined by my friend Ryan.
1: Hey, Rachel. It's great to be with you, as always. And uh, uh, if, I, if I seem a little, like, weird today, it's because we're recording this on a Sunday, and I just finished editing my Requiem for a Dream video. And that movie was tough. <laughs> it was a very very tough watch so i uh, i've
0: never seen it but i've heard i've heard the tales
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's one of those where it's it's like it's one of those movies where you appreciate the effort that put in ellen burstein just pretty much broke her back in that movie like she was amazing and even though i don't like some of his performances jared leto was amazing in that movie so i so when people say like, oh, he's never been a good actor, like Requiem for a Dream, Exhibit A.
0: One thing you've got to hand it to Jared Leto is that he looks so different. We talked about this in our preview episode that we did. I, I saw every role. He looks like a completely different person. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. I hated him in House of Gucci, but I, I'm not going to lie. Like to, to have him look like that. I mean, that, yeah. that took a lot of work.
0: Really did. <laughs> well, what are we talking about today in this episode of Hidden Gems? Well,
1: it's a very Disney-centric episode. We're going to be talking about Disney Plus. This is episode number fourteen, which know, blows my mind. It really does. And then we're also going to be touching a little bit on turning red, and also the Investor Day, which I had to—I did not watch, but I ended up looking up an article on, so I know everything that was announced and talked about. So it, it's going to be very interesting. Like Disney Plus is going to be a, becoming a pretty bustling place at, by the end of the month because of Moon Knight, which I'm really looking forward to.
0: Yeah, there's a lot coming up. You've got uh, Thor Love and Thunder. You have the Obi-Wan series. Uh, I'm looking forward to She-Hulk. Uh, there's a lot coming up.
1: Yeah, the, the Obi Wan show is just is like something that I'm just looking forward to more than I thought I would. This this may be because of my love for the prequels, yes, flaws and all. I I grew up watching those first before I ever started on the originals. So seeing Ewan McGregor return and supposedly Hayden Christensen, he's been sworn to secrecy and he's he's been asked. He's like, I'm in there somewhere. I just can't tell you, but it, it's going to be amazing when that eventually happens. Seeing the Inquisitors in live action, I cannot tell you how happy I am to be seeing that as a longtime Star Wars Rebels fan. That, that, that's going to be just incredible to see. Hopefully, this is not like a Book of Boba Fett situation where it's like it overpromised and severely underdelivered.
0: Yeah, well, I mean that's a lot of modern Star Star Wars. Unfortunately, I mean most of my life Star Wars has been very to the point. <laughs> it's been rough to be a Star Wars fan. I mean maybe I'm not really a fan because most of what they made I haven't haven't actually enjoyed when you when you put when you really think about it. But uh, but I don't. They always get my hopes up. They make these great trailers. They really. They I'm really do. Are.
1: I remember where I was when they dropped the teaser for force awakens and they had the whole, there has been an awakening. Have you felt yeah, it? it I'm so like, good. okay, this is going to be the movie of the year. And I guess it was, but it, at the same time, maybe not. It's, it, it's a whole situation.
0: You know, I still loved that movie. It definitely is. It was everything it came out after was disappointing uh and so that does sort of tarnish it a little bit because things that you think though they're going to build on that they're going to make it better uh than they didn't so that's disappointing but i still think it was a good movie uh personally i enjoyed it uh and it was it was a very fun experience to watch it i think i saw it five times (laughs) in the theater
1: and i just limited myself to two ones when I saw it on the premiere and I took my dad to it. So it was only a two Mm -hmm. for me, but at the same time, they were incredibly fun experiences.
0: Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a ton of new information at the investor day. Most of it was stuff that we already knew. And of course there was a lot of politics and a lot of discussing Disney's role in politics. And I don't know. I mean, I find that whole thing to be a little bit strange because I don't look to the Walt Disney Corporation for my moral guidance. Um, And I mean, I guess I don't really want them to be supporting hateful legislation. I get that, but I don't know. I just, I think it's... I, I understand having an opinion about the legislation. I don't really understand why people are looking to Disney for that leadership. You know, they're making movies. They're not, you know, they're not like a lobbyist organization. So I don't know. I think it's a little, little weird, but I know people feel very passionately about it. So that's I, cool.
1: I don't, I, I have a general rule of not talking politics uh, either on my youtube channel or mm-hmm. that sometimes i have to like i remember when i reviewed all the president's men as part of the afi project i had to divulge some of it but i just have a general rule just to not talk about it a because i have nothing really unique to add to any of those discourses and b politics is a generally divisive topic it's like the old saying never bring up politics or religion at the dinner table so i just i just generally not bring it up because i'm grateful enough to have friends who are like say on the left and some that are perhaps maybe either in the center or on the right which i think is wonderful so i just just out of out of i guess the interest of i just don't really like to talk about it that i just try to avoid it i i suppose
0: no i mean i agree and i do the same i i guess it's just I think that people just need to be careful, like how much you are looking for leadership from these multinational corporations. Who they're they're want, not. Who your just religion, want your money. They're, Yeah, they're they they're. I mean, I am a huge. I love Disney. I mean, mm. We d- I, we've done fourteen episodes of the show. I enjoy many of their films. I mean, I love Disneyland. Uh, and so I'm a fan, but I don't look to them for my moral guidance for, for how I'm going to live my life, for what legislation I'm going to support. Like, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people kind of look to these multinational corporations. Uh, like what you, you see it a lot of times with Apple as well, you know, that people kind of, almost making Steve Jobs a profit type character in a way and looking to for sort of moral guidance on issues and things. And I, that's the only comment I would make about it. It's just like, be careful where you're putting these big corporations because in the end, their goal is to make money. And that's fine. That's, that's what they should be doing. And because and, that's how their employees are going to get paid. And that's how they're, they're going to uh, be, continue to be making the art that we love. But they're not out there to try to, uh, I don't know, to be a moral leader. So that's just all I have to say about that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So anyway, that was basically all that was going on with the Vesters meeting. It was all pretty much, except for the Obi-Wan trailer, all stuff that we knew about and had seen before. So uh, so then we have Turning Red and I did listen to your review, uh, and uh, you were, I think, pretty mixed on it, would you say?
1: Yeah, it was a mixed bag. Uh, it has some obvious strengths. There's a lot of quality put in there. I give all the credit in the world to Domi Shi. She did a mostly great job with with making with making that movie, because the only thing I know her from is that Bow short that was attached to The Incredibles 2 one of the most surreal things that I have ever seen. Like, I love the short, don't get it twisted, but sentient dumplings, like dumplings coming to life. It's just like, what? I don't remember traveling to Columbia. Where did I, (laughs) what the heck?
0: Yeah, it was was definitely an, an unusual short. I enjoyed it, but yeah. With Turning Red, I didn't hate it. I, I liked some things about it. I liked the animation was great. I like what they were attempting to do. I admire the ambition, what they were trying to do. And I'm sure that it will really, and has, I can, I've seen it. It's connected with uh, with a lot of people and that's great. Uh, but overall, I did go rotten on it. I'm one of the only ones uh, that went rotten on it. And for me, the the main problem to me was just the, I found the, the metaphor to be extremely muddled and not well done. Uh, that uh, So she turns into a panda, but then she is all talking about my panda, my choice. And it's not a choice like puberty and getting your period. That's not a choice. That just happens. And so I found that whole thing to be strange. And especially the fact that, they like created this ritual and I didn't understand the purpose of the ritual. Like, because, so the mom evidently went through the ritual, got rid of the panda, but then in the end she brings the panda back. So what's the point of the ritual? It's like a ritual that allows you to kind of keep the panda. What? I I, I don't know. I just, and I thought it was weird too, that this is, it's not like this is a fake, religion, a fake world like Raya or, you know, something like that. Even Big Hero 6 is kind of this fake world. This is like a real religion. Like the, the, her parents run a temple. So I thought it was strange that they just like create a ritual for a real religion, you know, like I would be so weirded out if I watched a Disney movie and there was, they had like some panda ritual for the Mormon church. Like I'd be like, what? That's so weird. But ev- I, evidently other people don't think that's weird. I don't know, I thought it was strange. And I, I don't know, just a lot of things in the movie I thought were weird. I thought the whole party where she's like hired by the bully, I, I thought that was weird. I, I mean, this is supposed to be eighth grade. I, at I, the end when she's twerking <laughs> the relationship between the mom and her was just, I don't know, not pleasant, not enjoyable to me. Um, the mom was just unhinged,
1: oh God, she was
0: unhinged.
1: So, she was so crazy like one of the one of the early scenes where she discovers like May has like written like devon's picture in her on her homework. she That's goes crazy. complete mental case, she drags May to this convenience store, and this boy, who we never see after this except for one scene, it, like she goes in on this poor boy it, 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 like. And i'm just like yeah what in the world there's no need to go ultimate warrior on this poor kid like all- so
0: weird his only when crime the-
1: is wearing that dang bucket hat in 2002 like seriously <laughs> i just also
0: they, i think it's kind of a strange message for her character as young as she is to be like the main message is i don't have to obey my parents and i don't have to listen i can you know do my own thing which I I'd appreciate, but like for a 13 year old, that's, that's kind of a, a, a weird message. Yes. We've had those kind of characters before with Ariel and Milan and things like that, you know, where they have a lot of conflict with their parents, but they end up kind of apologizing by the end of the movie. Both of them do. And they're both older. I mean, I know it's not that big of a difference, but I thought the, the message was, was a little bit strange. And I don't, I just didn't love it I expected to love it I, I I literally had the picture of may and the being the panda as my wallpaper for like over a year since they since they announced it the the last in, the last investors' day I had the wallpaper of of May and the panda on my phone that's how excited I was for it so I don't know. It didn't work for me, but I'm glad it's worked for most everybody. And if we can try to, like, keep our I don't know, like if we can try to discuss this film in general civilly, I would really appreciate that. Just in general, on the internet I'm saying is that people can be very... People take their, their Pixar films extremely personally, as do I. But...
1: Yeah, I the third act of this movie is so off the wall crazy. I won't spoil it here in case people do want to see this, but I thought it was like it was like a like a like a Godzilla battle that got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah,
0: it was it was wild. It was definitely wild. Well, uh, so let's dive in and talk about some of our recommendations on Disney Plus. Uh, and if you are listening, if you can let us know what you think of Turning Red and also uh, what you have been watching on Disney+, Plus, we would very much appreciate that. But why don't you get us started, Ryan, give one of your picks.
1: So my first choice is from 2007, and it is called National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. I, re- I remember in one of our earlier episodes, I recommended the first National Treasure, and so I'm going to be recommending the sequel. And I recognize that these movies aren't like stellar works of cinema. They're just fun adventure movies. And and thinking about it now is like we just got an Uncharted movie like a little bit like earlier this year. And while I liked that movie generally, I thought, unlike most people, I thought it did did a very good job of translating it from game to screen, even though the choice to make Mark Wahlberg Sully is very weird, but that's another conversation for another time. I still maintain that the National Treasure movies are about as great an Uncharted movie as we will probably ever get. And it's not even named Uncharted. It has nothing to do with Uncharted. But in this sequel, Ben Gates is back. And after finding the treasure in the last movie, he finds his family framed for having been involved in the assassination of President Lincoln. This is brought up by a by a man named Wilkinson, played by Ed Harris. And so, Ben Gates has to go back on the hunt to try and find what we later turn find out to be, Cibola, The Lost City of Gold. Like I said, this is, this is kind of a silly adventure movie. It definitely dabbles in stuff that, I'm not gonna lie, when I was in DC, I kind of looked for and realized, oh, that clearly does not <laughs> exist, but, I Like I said, I think the movie's fun. I like Nick Cage. I like Diane Kruger. Ed Harris is always a good choice for anything he's in. And what I love about this is that it looks like a lot of the stunts were done like on set. And this was shot mostly on location, which if that is the case, then that is just phenomenal. There's a great scene where Basically, the big "I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence" moment is Ben Gates kidnapping the President of the United States. This time is played by Bruce Greenwood, and I'm not going to lie, I like Bruce Greenwood in the movie. I like his performance. However, he treats the whole thing kind of like like he, like Ben Gates like lost his car keys or something, and they're backtracking to try and find them. If I were kidnapped, I'd be freaking out. But but he's talking to Ben Gates like. So you kidnap me, you're gonna go to prison just to save your family's name. I'm like, Mr. President, realize the situation that you're in, like a complete stranger who you just met at a party like ten minutes ago, and it's like I guess I guess all it takes is to show him some vintage George Washington swag and boom, he's got you under mind control, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Uh, Helen Mirren is also in the movie and she's great in pretty much anything she's in. She has a great moment where she and John Voight are are at Mount Rushmore and they're trying to find this clue under the rocks and they have to water the rocks. And And John Voight's character is like, she's like, hey, you, you got to water? And Helen Mirren's like, what is this in my hand? Are you blind? And I'm like, Helen Mirren like sass right there. So like I said, I don't think this movie's like, stellar cinema, but I've always thought it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I remember enjoying it. The whole concept of the book of secrets is is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a ridiculous idea, but it's uh it's a fun idea to imagine that th- if that was the case. The 18 and a half missing minutes of
1: the Watergate tapes. Did Apollo really land <laughs> on the moon? Did it? Yeah. And the coup de grace area 51. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thinking about that. I'm like, just wait till 2019.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, my first choice actually comes because I've been watching the Disney movies from 2011 for upcoming ranking, you know, Stanford and I do these Disney year rankings. and 2011 was pretty rough. <laughs> there's some really bad movies in 2011. Like Mars Needs Moms and oh, I don't know, there are a lot. And I've been we watched we've been watched the dcoms as uh, for that series and uh there's one called Geek Charming which I really enjoyed. I thought they had a very good script, good performances and I, it's probably one of my favorite non-musical decoms that i've seen it was it was really well done i was i was trying to say do i like this just because it's way better than some of these other things that i'm proud of that year but no i think it actually has a really good script it's 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 about uh this girl that's that's kind of a diva a uh, popular girl uh, that uh that uh, is kind of snobby and rude but she also has like a lot of hurt and trauma. Her mother passed away. So she kind of puts a lot of this on just as a sort of front. Uh, and she ends up through various conferences, ends up agreeing with this nerdy kid that is going to make a documentary about her. And, and first she thinks, oh, this is going to help me be the, uh, basically like the the prom queen, uh, this documentary. Uh, but uh, things don't go quite as planned and, I really, I really thought it was solid. So, uh, it stars Sarah Highland from uh, from Modern Family, and uh, she's good. Uh, and she she's a good crier. Sarah Highland. <laughs> she does a really good job in the emotional scenes, I thought. Uh, and it's kind of fun too to see some Hallmark people uh, in this, uh, including Andrew Brooks, who I just interviewed. Like two weeks ago. So that was kind of fun to see her in this like teenage role. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I it's it's definitely one of the better decoms I've seen.
1: Yeah, you know, I was watching this video from the channel Nerdstalgic. I'm sure someone listening to this has heard of the channel, but Nerdstalgic did a video on on the Disney Channel original movies and talking about how important they were because I grew up as a humongous Disney Channel fan, and one of my picks is one of my favorite Disney Channel shows. Uh, I won't ruin it, but it'll be along very soon. But those DCOMs are really underrated nowadays. Now, there are some that are, like, not so good. But for the most part, they kind of helped me with my film love, as weird as that may sound. But I, I remember. I remember they they were very well made for being TV movies and having that stigma. I guess they had really good actors, so actors who they pretty much had on payroll for like their other shows. But they they did a really good job. They actually tackled some some pretty some pretty different yeah. topics. Like I remember there was this one I haven't seen it in a while, but it was called The Color of Friendship, which
0: heard of that one. Um,
1: definitely was ahead of its time and then there was also one called true confessions which had shia labeouf playing an autistic boy which again i have not seen for a very long time but i do remember liking that yeah i think the disney channel original movies are definitely underappreciated like even nowadays
0: yeah i definitely think they're overrated and i think this beat charming is one of the best ones i've seen so uh what's your next pick
1: so my next choice is from 1997. I thought I had recommended this before, but it turns out I had not. Uh, this is Flupper, this is the Robin Williams movie. And I've seen some people just kind of dislike this movie and I can kind of under, I guess I can kind of understand why, but I've just always had a soft spot for it. Uh, this is a remake of the absent-minded, pro- the Absent-Minded Professor, I Know How to Talk, starring Fred McMurray. And and in this Flubber, it's about a professor who invents this very bouncy goo called Flubber. And it pretty much takes up the entirety of his life. He's supposed to get married and, well, for like the third or fourth time, he misses the wedding day, which is very, very rude. But there you go. Uh, Christopher McDonald is the villain who I've always thought he played a great villain and stuff like Happy Gilmore, things like that. He was just, he's just excellent. And like I said, I guess I've just, I guess I've just always really liked this movie. It has a young Will Wheaton in it. And for all of you Wesley Crusher haters, he gets beat up quite a bit by the flubber. So you have that going for you. And this is just, this just has some really funny scenes and also some really emotional scenes too, where, where the professor's little robot Weebo ends up getting crushed by a baseball bat. I'm like, bro, like, are you, kidding? this is 97, like, this is near the knuckle stuff. But if you haven't seen for a while, I, I can't say that this is like Robin Williams's best work because it isn't. But I guess I've always just had a soft place in my heart for it.
0: Yeah, I've never seen this one i i just heard that it wasn't very good so i never never watched it and i mean i i love the original uh, although if you watch the original now he is kind of a jerk <laughs> You're like i don't really like this guy i don't think he should be, like he's kind of rude to his girlfriend and i don't know like he's not that of a guy, so. too much
1: too much double indemnity there fred <laughs> yeah
0: right Maybe it's the apartment. It just just scarred me for for Fred McBurney. Well, all right. Well, my next pick, when it came out, it wouldn't be considered a hidden gem. But I feel like it's kind of been lost a little bit because people didn't like it as much as I liked it. Uh, We're talking Mary Poppins Returns. I loved this movie. I gave it almost a perfect score. Uh, It just i absolutely loved the songs i loved the dancing i thought it had a really sweet message that i connected with about family and family rescuing you from those hard times in life and i I loved the cast and loved emily blunt as mary poppins and i don't know i other people seem to think it was more bland and and uh so that's the trick part tricky part about doing these kinds of remakes even though it was technically a sequel is that you have it's like if you stay too close to it then that's problematic if you do something too different that's problematic uh this i just felt like did it's uh, enough original certainly for me to enjoy it very much um and but still had like the flavor of Mary Poppins, I mean, if it was up to me, this is the kind of live action remakes that I would, I wish they were doing more of and not the Lion Kings and the Beating the Beasts and, and those kinds of remakes, the Milans. This to me was really special. And I felt like when I watched it, I wrote in my review, which I love, I'm very proud of my review for this film, uh, but I talk about how I felt like I was sitting on the bench in Main Street Disneyland with Walt while I watched this movie it just had that feel to me uh, so i loved it uh and uh, so I, if you haven't seen it maybe give it an if you haven't seen it give it a shot if you saw it and maybe didn't think much of it maybe give it a, give it a rewatch and see if maybe uh you like it more
1: yeah i remember I remember watching this on the same night as I watched Bumblebee and Aquaman. That was that weekend in December of 2018 where all three of those movies came out in the same weekend, and I, like a complete madman, just watched all three of them in one night because it just just worked out that way. And Mary Poppins was the last movie that I saw that night. I was so tired, and so I guess... I guess maybe that's because I wasn't as crazy about it as you were, but I've I've been meaning to go back and watch this because, like I said, I like the individual parts here. Emily Blunt is awesome in anything she's in. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's great. I mean, so. for the
0: record, I don't think anybody was as crazy about it as I was. I think I was higher on this movie than almost anybody, which happens sometimes. And and I mean, I in my opinion, that's how you know that you have a legit critic that you can trust that they're giving their opinion and not just what they're not just uh, trying to get access or saying what people want to hear is when they like stuff, you know, more than more, or they don't like stuff more than, uh, more than most. when they have their own unique opinions.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I've like I said I've been meaning to want to go back and watch this because I remember liking parts of it but I don't know I guess maybe I was just in the high of I've watched two movies tonight I just like, yeah just power power through this like give give credit where credit's due Angela Lansbury was awesome in her limb in, in her small role she's not in it very much but she was great
0: I mean it was obvious that that role was meant for Julie Andrews but I still enjoyed having. Angela Lansbury in it.
1: She chose Aquaman over this. I know,
0: one. that's ironic. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but what's your next pick? So
1: my next choice is the Disney Channel show that I was teasing and this this is I guess a bit of a confession. It's Hannah Montana uh, here hand on the bible like right hand <laughs> up. My name is Ryan Cam and I I'm a Hannah Montana fan. This was this show premiered like in during like the hotbed of my Disney channel watching, like nice. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, American Dragon, Jake Long, and, and this. This was at the intersection of all of that, not to mention my Jonas Brothers fan. Yes, I'm a fan of them too. Bring it on, come at me. <laughs> but I just, I love this show. And of course, we all know what would end up happening with Miley Cyrus and that whole thing but but, but the Hannah Montana Show was one of my favorite shows i i will turn in my man card if that's what some of you want, but that's that it that is the truth i suppose yeah it, 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 i
0: have it, I have never seen an episode of Hannah Montana or the movie, so i, I can't comment a yay or nay on it
1: <laughs> yeah it but it does tell the story of well Miley Cyrus playing a fictional character, and unlike in the real world where Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, like we know it's like an alter ego. In the show, no one really knows. So there is a mystery aspect of will she tell people, will she not? It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a conundrum. Uh, Dolly Parton actually is in one of the episodes. Uh, the episode is called Good Golly Miss Dolly. Definitely look out for that.
0: She's, uh, she's Miley's uh, godmother
1: i did not know that i i mean i i guess i kind of did but i maybe forgot
0: i i only know that because i fairly recently listened, uh watched an interview with dolly she said that
1: but yeah i've always loved this show um i i bought miley's cds when they came out yes i will freely admit to that as well i think i have them in the drawer here i'd have to look for it but but yeah i'm a hannah montana fan i it, that's why I'm always a big believer in liking multiple different things because because I love horror movies like Texas Chains on Massacre and stuff like that. But I also love Hannah Montana. It's called like Variety.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, my next pick is a documentary that's up for best documentary this year. It's a pretty strong category actually for once. They, they picked the... <laughs> Movies this year, which usually that branch is terrible, but <laughs> this year it, it, there's a movie called The Rescue that is up for Best Documentary. It might win. I don't know. I think Flea might also win. We'll see. But is this was an exhilarating film. Very well done. Uh, it, uh, it's about this uh, this rescue of in Thailand of these. St- kids that were caught in this cave and uh, they basically got all of these uh sort of hobbyist spelunkers to uh, that wave they do this wave diving to come and try to help them but the problem was is that you have to be able to get the kids through this underwater through to the exit and uh, without having them pass out. So you have to get them on the the, the breath, uh, the oxygen, and you only have so much oxygen. There's just a million things that are making this extremely difficult to do. And they do use some reenactments, because how could they... Uh, get everything on site while it was all happening but they do have a lot of footage as well and even the reenactments i'm still was constantly thinking, how did they get this shot how did they do this because it's such a narrow space it's such a confined uh it's so dark like how did they get some of these shots that they that they get even in a reenactment uh and it's just so exciting when they uh they because there's a pretty small likelihood that they'll be able to save all of the kids and that the oxygen will, will work and that everything. And like each, each of the divers is assigned one kid and that's their, uh, uh, their responsibility to get them out. And so you're just feeling it one kid after next kid after next kid. And, uh, and
1: it was
0: just when it, when it all ends, you're just like, ah, <gasps> they're <laughs> so happy they're they're such a great group and and they kind of gotten a lot of flack for their uh, their hobby uh but now here they were actually the heroes so that was fun too and i i just really enjoyed it it was very good
1: yeah i remember um i remember doing research looking for pics and i saw a ton of of stuff on the nat geo side and i was like these look really, t- really promising. I just haven't had the chance to get around to them yet. Like I remember Free Solo, I've heard nothing but amazing things about that and I've always yeah. meant to watch it. I just- and, have-
0: and this is by the same people who did Free Solo and Free Solo is a good film, but it's not quite as emotionally satisfying in my opinion because he's kind of a jerk. Uh, I mean, you, I, I think you probably have to be a little bit of a narcissist to do what he does with this but the way that he treats his family and the way that like it just didn't make you want to root for him the way that you root for the guy the guys in this uh in this movie so i prefer this over free solo but free solo definitely will have you be like
1: <laughs> yeah. There's, <laughs> the one, time. there's one about notre dame the the notre dame fire that they did that i've been meaning to get around to there's this other one i don't know you may have heard of it it's called torn it was actually Dropped just recently, it was about a climber named Max Lowe, who uh, I believe um, who believe pa- passed away in 1999 during an avalanche. And it was more of like a home movie style thing. It was done by his widow and son. I've been meaning to get around to that as well. So the Nat Geo yeah, side, that. the Nat Geo side is definitely like a hidden corner of Disney Plus that that doesn't get explored a lot of. I feel.
0: No. So what is your next pick?
1: So my next choice is from 2010 and I thought that I had recommended this before but I checked on our letterbox list and I could not find it on there so I'm just going to recommend it now. Uh, it's Secretariat. Uh, this was from 2010, starred Diane Lane and it tells the true story of a woman named Penny Tweedy. She ended up uh, being... I, I guess not exactly the boss, but like had a hand in training w- w- training Secretariat, the first horse to end up winning the Triple Crown: the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Sticks. And I believe it was at Belmont that that Secretariat had like the biggest win in any horse race by like twenty something lengths. I haven't seen the movie in a while to say the exact number, but it was quite a big deal. Like here are the rest of the horses and there was Secretariat. It was not even close, but I thought this movie was very inspiring. I mean, Disney sports movies for a while were just like one of the sleeper hits of the Disney catalog. It just, no matter which topic they tackled, it was always excellent. Like glory road, miracle, McFarland USA, which I haven't seen in a while, but I remember really enjoying uh, the rookie. Remember the Titans. I could go on. But Secretariat, I don't think is like the best one out of all of them. I'd still say Miracle is the best one, but Secretariat was still really well made. I remember, has one of my favorite scenes in any Disney sports movie where Penny's brothers are trying to convince her to sell the farm after, after their father dies, and we later learn that all of the matters regarding the horses have been transferred to her, and we learn this from their longtime maid. Uh, I can't remember her character's name. Miss Ham, that was her name. And Miss Ham gives this great speeches like, "Before, before your father died, he passed along all the business operations to you. However, he also passed along matters involving horses to Penny. And the brothers are like, let's not forget that the man had dementia and miss ham just tears into him. He's like, she, like he was of sound mind when he signed it. And I'm willing to prove that in court. And and Penny just tears into the both of them for just their selfishness. I can't do it justice is a real.
0: I think that this is a very well-made movie. It's very sleek. It's very, it looks great, beautiful cinematography, beautiful music. Uh, And I think the performances are all good. It's definitely worth seeing. The only thing that I struggle with in this movie is that I wish that she had like moved her family to be with her because I think it's kind of hard, a little bit hard to root for her that she basically, it's not that she's just traveling or whatever, as far as her career, it's that she is like away from her family for like a year like a long time. And so she's not there to be her daughter struggling. Her daughter needs her. And she's, she kind of abandons her family for this horse, which I I struggle with to root for her as a character, you know, and, and I don't know. I just, and, and that's what the true story is. So what are you going to do? But that's the only part of it that I kind of struggle with is that like her family needed her and she was in a whole nother state.
1: Yeah, I can definitely understand I understand the problems like with that there, especially considering like one of Penny's daughters ends up getting into like the hippie culture. Like, yeah. This took place in, I believe, the early 70s. That was when it was like free love and understanding and all of that. And there were several scenes like that. I definitely, I didn't think that was necessarily a problem for me, but I do understand why it i understand why it could be a bother for some
0: yeah because obviously like women should be supported in their careers i understand that but when you're living in a whole nother state in in the 70s when this movie takes place you can't really be there for your family if you're in a whole nother state yeah anyway that wasn't my only struggle with the movie but my next pick is uh, something that came out last year that kind of went under the radar and I'm going to be talking about it for Muppet May coming up this May uh, is the Muppets Haunted Mansion. And this was a special on Disney Plus last year. And I really enjoyed it. If you are a fan, this is this is only 52 minutes. So it's basically a, a special. Uh, and it's a pretty simple movie. It's uh, Gonzo. He, uh, he ends up getting challenged to stay the night in the haunted mansion and uh, he meets up with lots of stars and then also with all of the kind of characters from the ride the haunted mansion in disneyland so i had a lot of fun with it there are tons of easter eggs to the ride uh, that were fun for me i i mean i think it's definitely an improvement upon the haunted mansion with eddie murphy which i don't think is as bad as some people do but still this is probably the this is pretty high up there i did a video last fall uh or maybe it was now 2020 fall i can't remember but i did a video with ranking the ride the, the movies based on disneyland rides and it's it was kind of a rough group (laughs) not the best uh this would be pretty high i think actually in that ranking if i was including it (laughs)
1: more like pirates of the caribbean one and then everything else (laughs) yeah exactly
0: (laughs) so yeah i should probably update that that ranking sometime because i could add jungle cruise and add add this but i'd have to watch all those pirates movies again i don't want to it's gonna be. If they,
1: it's gonna be interesting if they ever do like a big Thunder Mountain Railroad movie or like yeah. a, or like a Space Mountain movie. Considering that Space Mountain still is one of the most popular rides at Disney World in Florida, I'm surprised no movie has been made about that.
0: Uh, yeah, neither of those interests me much, but uh you never know uh what they'll do. I wouldn't have said that a Parts of the Caribbean movie would probably be all that good, but it turned out really good. So uh anyway i enjoyed this one i thought it was a pretty fun um muppets special uh, so what do you have next
1: so my next and final choice is from 1993 and it is called rookie of the year you know when i was looking for picks i i stumbled across this and i'm like well that's going on the list because i've seen this movie a ton of times i could pretty much recited from memory if I wanted to it tells the story of a young boy named Henry who breaks his arm and when the cast ends up getting taken off he finds that he can throw a hundred mile an hour fastball it was the 90s and (laughs) he gets so good at pitching that the Chicago Cubs end up hiring him on as a pitcher and he ends up getting really good at it Uh, this movie is, like I said, it's very early nineties, very like, this would never happen, but I've always gotten a kick out of this movie. Uh, Gary Busey is in here and he's, he's really good as this pitcher who is whose days are definitely numbered. I believe Danny Glover is the manager. I, I may be getting my actors wrong there, but, but he was a lot of fun as well. Uh, Daniel Stern, who also directed this movie, is really funny as the pitching coach. You will definitely know him when you see him. Henry's mom is nice, and there's a great scene where, because Henry's mom is a single mom, and she's been dating this dude who becomes Henry's agent, and pretty much sells him out to the Yankees, which nobody wanted. And so, and the breakup between he and Henry's mom is just legendary, like, like he gets completely owned and it is beautiful to watch like I said it's definitely far-fetched but it's one of those early 90s movies that I just kind of dig that John Candy is in here as the Cubs announcer which I mean it's John Candy so of course he is fantastic my my favorite scene in the movie uh, the ending is great but the ending or not the ending but the game where the Cubs are on the road and henry goes to bat because it's the national league and pitchers bat it's like i love the line where gary Busey's like stay low and henry's like yeah and and he's like and don't get killed it's like i love that delivery and then and then there's there's the part where henry's at the plate and then the fourth ball gets thrown and he's about to walk and he's like Ball four, and then he swings, and the umpire's like, take the base, and he's like, take my base, and the pitcher gets so worked up, he's like, come on, he swung, he should be struck, but the pit, but it got called, and the subsequent whole thing where, where Henry just, like, antagonizes the pitcher, like, hey, pitcher, you got something hanging out of your nose, he's like, (sighs) I could talk about that, that whole sequence for hours, but it's just, it's just so much fun, and so is this movie."
0: I've actually never seen this one, so that sounds fun. I'll check it out. You
1: really should. It is like, like I said, definitely can never happen. It is the early '90s after all, but it's a movie that I just really like. It's got a lot of heart. It's funny. Just, it's you know, I
0: love a sweet uh, Disney live-action film like that. I, I think it's really, really good. Well, my last choice is another fun Disney live action. This one from 1966. It's called The Ugly Dash Honed. And this is a, I've reviewed it for family movie night. This is a movie about this couple, their newly married couple, and they have uh, these dachshunds that they love and adore, which are basically like sausage dogs. They're like the little you know, dogs. And uh, and they end up, through various conferences end up getting this Great Dane that they think is a sausage dog at first, that is a Dachshund. But then obviously it gets huge. <laughs> and so that's why it's called the Ugly Dachshund. And it's basically like Beethoven this movie i mean he, the dog makes wreck of everything destroys everything is kind of a nuisance <laughs> but but they love the dog nonetheless and they love the dachshunds too and uh, so it's got a lot of hijinks and shenanigans, but I really like the cast. I and mean, Dean Jones was a you know, is literally a D- Disney legend. He is great. Uh, Suzanne Fluchette is, is is the wife. She's fun. Charles Ruggles you'll recognize from lots of Disney movies of that era. He's good. Uh, uh, I it's just a fun family movie.
1: Yeah, I was. um, I had never really heard of this one. I was like the ugly duckling. Like what is this? But... <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's a good one. I hadn't seen it until I had it recommended as uh, one of the patron picks uh, for family movie night uh, by one of the patrons. And uh, I, so I watched it and I I reviewed it. So you have to check out that review Uh, and if you're interested in checking out the patreon definitely i'll put a link in the description because you can have uh, selections of for family movie night that are really fun so there we go we did it
1: (laughs) and also shout out to dean jones he was awesome
0: yeah he was awesome (laughs) yeah uh he uh he's definitely one of my favorite disney live action actors and if you've never seen he was in the original cast. He played Bobby in Company. And uh, there's a great song in uh, Company called Being Alive. And particularly this like really insane long note at the end that the that, that character has to hit. Anyway, he was in the original cast of Company. And it, there's a great uh, movie uh, where it's the original cast recording. They recorded the original cast recording in like two days working like practically through the night. And it's just, it's really fun to watch as just it's you're practically going like beat by beat with them making this album. So you can hear the performances and when he particularly when he does that song and when he holds out that note, you're just like, yeah, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> so that's something I'd recommend. If you have the Criterion channel, it's on there. Uh, but definitely worth watching that. Uh, behind the scenes it's really good so all right well thanks so much this was so much fun let us know if you're listening what you've been watching on disney plus we'd love to hear your thoughts and ryan how can people find you
1: uh, they can find me on facebook twitter instagram and letterboxed ryan cam 20 then there's of course my youtube channel which is just called ryan and cam i'm currently at 203 subscribers i'd like to get to 205 so if you haven't checked me out please do like I said, that Requiem for a Dream video will be live when this episode does go out. Uh, my Myself and my friend Jacob will be delivering another episode of Life in the Movies. That'll be dropping Wednesday. And then, um, and then next up on my I Finally Watched series is going to be Paul Verhoeven's Total Recall, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. So that's going to be interesting to watch for the first time. So if you haven't checked me out, please do.
0: Yeah, definitely, you should all subscribe and check that out. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please take a look at that. And also, make sure you check out the Hallmarkies Podcast. We have a lot of fun interviews and other content over there. Sorry. Uh, and also, make sure you check out the Hallmarkies Podcast. We've got lots of fun content over there: interviews, other uh, episodes, recaps, and uh, so take a look. And thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.